0: This is Who Kicked the Corner Flag, an English soccer game show podcast. And here's your host... James Rose.
1: From a snowy Kansas City, Missouri, welcome to another round of our quizzical banter. We're back to test our pundits' knowledge of the weekend's on field action and hopefully have some laughs along the way. As usual, I'm in present company with the leader of the Casey Spurs fan group, the man who still watches Sonny's 16 mile proud dash on repeat and who now wants to start a new exercise program thanks to the glorious sight of Triore's quadriceps. Muscular indeed. It's Jerry Semente. How are you, bud? Uh, you know, uh, if you would have asked me
2: at uh, the 85th minute of uh, of Sunday's match, I would answer differently. But now, I'm fantastic.
1: How are you, Mr. Rose? I'm great. Super Jan to the rescue. Uh, that's all I'll say there. Uh, Amen. I'm, al- <laughs> I'm also here with the Casey Gunas chairman, the man who offered to buy Urzel a new pair of gloves, and whose next jumping off a bridge experience could come sooner than we thought. Tough times indeed. It's Boyce Richardson. How are you, bud?
0: You know, at this point, I'm giving up football and training for the uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple revival that just got announced today, so I have a, I have a new mission in life.
1: I actually saw that myself, too. Good times. <laughs> we'll enjoy it. Uh, today's show, of course, wouldn't be complete without our favorite City fan. Yes, he's the host of a Citizen Abroad podcast and the man who's still willing to play defense for City's remaining December fixtures. Coming to us from a length of 23,197 Sung Hyun dashes, it's
3: Mr. Tim Green. How are you, bud? Uh, Doing well, thanks for having me on, and uh, James, as I told you earlier, uh, I was planning on cancelling if City lost, so I didn't have to deal with voice, and uh, I'm glad I'm here, and they won. (laughs) Now I just have to be here. (laughs) Exactly,
1: you have no choice. Oh, man. All right, let's kick it off then. As usual, we'll start with Question of the Match, the contest where each person gets a statistical question from the most significant fixtures of the weekend. Three points for correct guesses this week, and here are those categories. Gunners outgunned. Greenwood to the rescue, Chelsea looking blue, and Tim, we're going to start with you this time. Go ahead and pick a topic for us.
3: Uh, I'll go ahead and pick the first one, even though I'll call it uh, what. City gets back to citying. How about city, that?
1: Oh, I like that. City, city returns. Uh, Manchester City put together an impressive display against Arsenal at the Emirates, scoring three unanswered goals. The final score here was three to nil. Okay, here's your quiz question. Since his EPL debut in September of 2015, Kevin De Bruyne has both scored and assisted in how many different games? Is it eight or eleven?
3: I'm going to go ahead and say 11.
1: Yes, sir. It is absolutely correct. And that'll get you those three points right off the bat. It is an impressive score uh, for him. 11 on that one. More than any other midfield player. He is, uh, he is something else. Uh, so here's your question on debate here, Tim. So after losing to United last week, uh, was this the performance, uh, not just from Kevin De Bruyne, but just from City as a team, to suggest that they can still challenge for the title?
3: Uh, yeah, well, the exact answer to that question is no, um, for the title specifically, I don't think that, uh, that is, is in their reach any longer just because of what Liverpool would have to do to choke up this kind of lead. Sure. Um, but it was city getting back to, to doing what they did well. And, you know, after, uh, a, a tough run of performances and the loss in the Manchester Derby, you know, on, on my own podcast, citizen abroad, I kind of laid out a few things that I really wanted city to do. Um, you know, one was, was transfer-related and stuff. But, you know, the, the other two things where they needed to start uh, prioritizing youth and, and playing guys like Phil Foden, um, Eric Garcia, Taylor Harwood Bellis, who they started midweek, and then Foden got the start against Arsenal. And uh, the other thing Pep wanted, Pep needed to do was kind of start experimenting with formations because mm-hmm. the, the 4-3-3 that they've been playing, you know, basically um, pretty solidly since Pep got here. Um, the players were just kind of getting lazy within it. Um, they had, you know, 26% more crosses than anyone else in the Premier League. Mm. Um, no one on the team was hitting more than 29% of their crosses. Um, you know, obviously the, the front line of City averages about five foot four, So, you know, throwing in high crosses all game really wasn't the best strategy. And so to kind of get them out of their funk, I think that Pep really needed to do that. And he did. And, you know, they played a bit of a double pivot. They played with kind of Foden sliding to the wing and, um, you know, they look like a new team. De Bruyne looked fantastic uh, in there with Foden, you know, a guy who has a little more attacking thrust than David Silva does, um, who's getting up there in age. He still has a lot of good football in him, but, you know, is not the um, the, the dangerous player that Phil Foden is right now, sure. even at his uh, young age. So, you know, City kind of checked most of the boxes off my list. I mean, the last one was to sell Claudio Bravo immediately. But I guess uh, I'm gonna have to wait
1: till January for that. So that, uh, yeah, I was gonna say the the transfer window is upon us fairly soon. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, boys, let's let's hear what you've got to say. Arsenal have gone now uh, six games without a win at the Emirates across all competitions, which is their longest run since February of 1995. So, what is priority number one for Arsenal here to stop this rot? I
0: wish that I knew. Uh, <laughs> Going and inventing a time machine, going back to May of 2019, and firing Unai Emery. Then, oh, um, okay. I think above and beyond that, with all respect to our dear Manchester City friends, analysis that really the cure for what <laughs> ails any team is just playing Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, fair. I, as per usual <laughs> in the in the absence of Unai Emery, we have returned to at least passing the ball forward. Uh, which has been quite nice, to be honest. But, you know, you look at the—take the first 60 seconds of this match, and Martinelli gets the ball on the left wing, dribbles in, and tries to score, and that is our only shot on goal for the entire match. And then immediately, just mental lapses and mistakes, which basically just allowed City to march down the field. And let's be honest, you know, Kevin De Bruyne makes world-class look completely easy, but to take that ball on the bounce and then just roof it, it, he was so— so okay. casual that it was almost just beyond belief. You know, it's not it won't even be the nicest goal that he scored, hell. In terms of just a pure skill set, it might not even be might not even be the like most skillful goal he scored during the, met this match. But as far as Arsenal are concerned, it, it, the problem is the fact that the midfield doesn't do anything and it allows the defensive line to be just completely isolated, and it happened both times. You know, for the first goal, Arsenal just can't positionally manage to get their brain around anything. You know, you look over at the sideline, and Freddie Youngberg's out like he looks like he's about to lose his mind with frustration, just because <laughs> the lack of discipline is unreal. You know, people are going around Torreira and Gündoğdu like parking cones, and you know it ends up isolating the back four. And if not for Burnt Leno, we might be in the relegation zone. It's just, it's depressing to watch because you could kind of tell that even though there was a little bit of forward propulsion after the first goal, that everybody kind of looked completely dismissive and dejected the moment De Bruyne scored that first goal somewhere around 90 seconds into the match. And from that point forward, there's just not enough mental strength and fortitude in this team to kick back on. Mm. You know, They almost have to score the first goal. And I think one of the things that's been mentioned fairly frequently, because Freddie keeps talking about it in his press conferences, is the fact that he has two other coaches. He's got Per Mertesacker, who's stepping in from the under-23s in the academy, and then he has the U23 goalkeeper, and those are the only two people he has on staff right now outside of himself. So I don't really know if you're setting him up to succeed in that instance, especially when, and we can talk about this at a later time, Arteta's sitting on the other bench and has a, a pretty decent idea of the Arsenal system, or what remains of it. I think there were only about two players left in the squad now that played with Arteta when he was on the roster, but... Mm until Arsenal figure out some balance and get somebody in who's willing to instill some discipline, which you kind of only, you got to hope that is that guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. anybody that's trained under Pep for three and a half years has to come in and, and at least instill some form of discipline into a squad that just looked bereft of anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I have no intention of buying Mesut Ozil new gloves, but I'll certainly <laughs> buy him a bus ticket to Fenerud uh, <laughs> if that's what he wants to do. We can just drop him off You know, Greece, pretty close for our match with Olympiacos. Uh, I You know, know, it wouldn't be a European competition if Arsenal didn't play Olympiacos. At some point, I would imagine that Bayern Munich are going to teleport in and we'll end up getting stuck playing them too. Well, let's go ahead and move on. Uh,
1: Jared, we're over to you. We've got two topics left to discuss in this one. We've got Greenwood to the rescue and Chelsea looking blue. So which one would you like?
2: Hmm, Let's talk about Greenwood to the rescue and Everton's Everton's form as of late uh, making my – Bottom
1: table bet, uh, uh, kind of shake here. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it could be two for two on losses. Uh, United spare their blushes thanks to a goal from youngster Mason Greenwood to help share the points with Everton. Final score is one to one. Uh, here's your quiz question How many shots on target did United have in this game? Was it five or eight?
2: Oh my god, um, on target, on target, on target, I'd say the what was the lower one? Low one was five. I'd say five.
1: Uh, lucky but it was eight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yet again, uh, beaten by that. But uh, yeah, it was eight. Eight on target. Uh, now, despite an epic victory last week against City, should this team be comfortably beating this Everton side here?
2: I don't know, man. Uh, Everton has kind of played some inspired football as mm-hmm. of late. Yeah. Uh, um, it's uh, kind of hard to really argue with them. Obviously, you know, they're, I think, flying high from, a, you know, they Part ways with their manager, and then you bring in uh, you bring in Big Duncan, and uh, I think uh, there's you know kind of that little honeymoon period that, that we kind of discussed. But that, I mean, that massive win against Chelsea last week, and yeah. I mean, you, I'm not really gonna hold a five-two loss against them with <laughs> Liverpool, but uh, I mean, that's. The past two weeks, I mean, kind of can't argue with it. And uh, uh, that's something that is desperately needed out of Goodison Park. I mean, it's still pretty bleak, I would say, Mm -hmm. based on where they are. But at least they're falling into that that kind of mid-level strata on points. Um, But now I got to tell you, that talent on that United uh, squad, I don't know if you saw, but after Greenwood scores, they cut to Ole. And Ole's like – sitting in the front row of the seats you pay for. And he's wandering (laughs) his way down. And then they finally cut over to him where he's, yay, celebrating and then take everybody push. And I think Greenwood scored in like the 74th minute or something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah. And it was the 78th minute by the time they showed Ole. So if that's not just, you know, uh, yes, you know, he's running some of the youngsters out, which I think, you know, some of the United Faithful are pretty pleased about. Um, That, uh, uh, I I think that exchange is kind of a microcosm of the frustrations uh, with Ole. That, you know, it's okay, but it's certainly nowhere near good enough. I mean, I saw a graphic the other day. I mean, his win percentage is dismal. Mm. Uh, And it is, yes, he's still sitting sixth. But uh, you got to think that, you know, if they don't start really winning some winning some matches or even some, you know, on track to really finish with some silverware, I don't really see how he can really survive uh, from right. a talent standpoint. Yeah, he should. This is still, you know, to Steel Boyce's point. This is still a an Everton squad that is running a Divac Rigi. So it, if you're if you're really relying on that, you should absolutely be beating this team. But, you know. Kudos to Everton. They're uh, not out of the basement yet, but they're on their way.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: They certainly are. Guess who they play next. (laughs) (laughs) They'll be out of the basement next week.
1: Their momentum (laughs) will continue. I love it. Oh, man, that's great. Uh, Tim, on United then, obviously giving you guys uh, a little bit of an upset uh, last week. Um, What are your
3: thoughts on their forward progress here? You know, I... I like it. I, I think that, you know, if, you, if you, you're familiar with the history of United and you've seen you know, the other great uh, documentary, I think it's called Class of 92, about, um, you know, Beckham and the Neville brothers and all those guys coming up together and really propelling the uh, Sir Alex era forward back in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, you'll see that they're kind of doing what they did then, is really building through youth and, and things like that. They're starting to, uh, you know, kind of in some of their older guys. I mean, I know Fred played in this game. But uh, I think uh, Pagua was off at his brother's wedding somewhere, so I don't even know if he was, he was in <laughs> the stands. But, you know, they're, they're starting to, to build smart, and that, as a City fan, makes me nervous. Mm. And it's something that, you know, gets me frustrated when I see, you know, them rolling, running out these youngsters who are, who are playing very well. And then, again, City, um, you know, having to, uh, having to sell some young players uh, like Jaden Sancho over the last couple of years, and then, you know, keeping a guy... Like uh, like Eric Garcia and then Phil Foden in particular on the bench. So uh, you know, obviously uh, Ole is probably not long uh, for this world with United, but uh, you know, having a manager that you're not paying a ton, that you're not super invested in, just and who won't uh, refuse to play the kids, I think is absolutely the right way to go right now. And uh, you know, when, once those kids and, and a few other younger ones develop into into something better, they'll bring in a manager who can actually uh, do something with the talent. So sitting in six right now, I think. Um, is no bad spot for United. I think
2: we did mention it. How hilarious that Victor Lindelof own goal was. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't if, I don't know if anybody saw it, but there was some VAR reveal on whether or not it was a foul on De Gea. Uh, it wasn't. Um, he did not establish himself in the box at all, and Victor Lindelof just standing there goes. Facing the goal off his knees. He doesn't even move. He just <laughs> drops his head in dejection.
1: I loved his... He almost did like a Phil Jones facial expression as it went into the back oh of the net. He's <laughs> like, a, what? Goodness, it was,
2: <laughs> I mean, I... I, <laughs> I would say I'm a neutral there, but I I mean, obviously it benefited Spurs for United to drop points, but my goodness, that was really... You felt for him.
1: (laughs) We'll take that. Uh, Boyce, we're over to you for the last one of this uh, section. We have Chelsea looking blue. Chelsea continue their slide as they lose another game by a single goal, this time to Bournemouth. The final score is 1-0 here. And here's your quiz question. Of their last six EPL games, how many points have Chelsea collected? Is it six or eight? Six. It is six! Yeah, nice work. That'll get you those three points there. They have two wins and four losses. So, boys, what happens to this promising Chelsea side?
0: Well, I think throughout the course of the season, at least thus far, they've been exposed by better teams, but I think the problem has just been that, you know, you, you win some, you lose some when you play a young squad, and... I think this was always going to happen, especially as you get into fixture congestion in December. And, you know, as you've seen with Arsenal as well, playing a, a fairly young team, the, the avalanche doesn't necessarily take so much momentum to start. And here, you could kind of sense some trouble happening when Tammy Abraham went out with that injury. Uh, they just don't have... Michy He's just not been really playing up to the level that he should be. Giroud's on the downward trend... And they just don't have the forward ammunition that they once did in this match, they were playing at home, and they were absolutely toothless. I mean, it was very it was very reminiscent of Arsenal to be honest. you know, it's just one of those things where they waited and waited and waited, and then that Bournemouth goal was hilarious for all of the reasons, <laughs> one of which being that I could just I wasn't even in the same state as him, but I could feel the jaredness. The irritation developing with everything about that goal, because everything from a Bournemouth <laughs> player scoring a goal, not having an opportunity to be able to celebrate because it was offside, the match stopping, the review taking what felt like an interminable interminable amount of time, coming back on, the, the goal counting because he was clearly onside, and then Bournemouth celebrating a goal five minutes after it was actually scored was just this massive dose of hilarity. But I think that the fun little, like let's say, cherry on top of that was the fact that (laughs) the goal wouldn't have originally counted, which is almost a point in VAR's favor. So the complexities of the 2019-2020 season, because I, personally, I don't know how Jared feels about this, will never, ever be sad to see Chelsea lose. And I think... (laughs) <laughs> you know, you look back on the weekend, it's hard to be frustrated about a loss to a good Manchester City team. But I think the frustration with being an Arsenal supporter right now is that of all of these matches that we've screwed up against all these minnows of teams that with Chelsea's slide, somehow even Arsenal are only seven points out of the top four, which is insane. And I think for the viability of the rest of the season, it's it's been almost interesting. Because it, there for a while it looked like top four was settled, and the I mean the championships long, long since decided, uh, and relegation looks pretty pretty established as well. So. A top four battle might be the only hope we have for maintaining interest in the back half of the season.
1: <laughs> uh, Jared on uh, on Bournemouth, then how is uh or well, Eddie Howe is still finding ways to win these games and he's got uh, injured players on his squad, but how can he take this team to the next level? He's always kind of been in the fray for being like the next big manager, but he seems to con- constantly struggle to take him to the next step. So what is what is the answer there? Money. Great, let's move on. I
2: mean that—that's I mean that's why we're hearing, you know, all these, you know, all these numbers kind of being floating around. You know, for Nathan Ake, right? Um, I, I think City uh, has been in the conversation. I know Spurs have been in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who are in desperate need of shoring up that back line. I think that is that is the main difference because the fact of the matter is. Uh, Bournemouth are still a club that sit in a 15000 seat stadium in the Vitality uh down uh down on the coast. And Eddie Howe has been just the uh, this you know remarkable manager. You know, my my affinity for cherries has uh, uh has, has been no secret on this. So uh, <laughs> I, I I echo boys, I revel not only uh with a Bournemouth win, but with a uh, uh but with doing it at Stamford Bridge. I find it delightful. Uh but yes, uh, you know, they've they've gone from you know uh, just newcomers and maybe overachievers to a Premier League staple, and you're really going to look at whether or not you know they can they can just you know spend some money. And unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, with a team like this, you're going to look at uh, maybe losing some of these players, losing a Junior Stanislaus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, losing a Josh King, uh, uh, or you know maybe even a Gosling or a, you know an Ake. But I think. That's kind of the name of the game, right? You know, you have to you have to flip those investments. You have to you have to bring money into the club. So I I really think that's just kind of the tier. And frankly, that's the best notion of the premiership, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, it even took, you know, Leicester after that, you know, one you no know, really great run, you know, to come in and now they're splashing the Riyadh Mara's money. So I think you got to spend a little bit here, you know, to kind of improve and all of that. They have the manager side, as Lester I figured out, um, but I think just from a talent and as you mentioned, like a depth level, lots of injuries on this team, but they're scraping them out. They just need personnel, and frankly, there's nobody else I would trust more uh, with scouting and finding that talent than Eddie Howe. Mm-hmm. So they've they've got the eyes, they've got the intelligence. They just they just need the money.
1: <laughs> Right, let's go ahead and move on to another round of Rumour Mill, our mid-episode contest. The rules are the same as before. I'm going to provide a line or quote from a newspaper or online resource. All the guys have to do is tell me if the words I read out were actually printed or something that is completely made up. Two points for a correct guess, and Tim is first with this one. Manchester City are poised to offer Raheem Sterling a new deal, which would make him the club's highest ever earner.
3: Ah. Uh... I think that's false right now.
1: It's true according to the Metro. Yeah, apparently. And now we don't know if this deal is actually going to go through. But uh, there were rumors from the Metro. There's another news uh, news article that wrote something very similar too. And would you think that would be money well spent if they did do that?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sterling has. uh, I mean, you know, watching him score goals recently. uh, You know, the tap in against Arsenal. I just thought of how when he first came over, and even his time at Liverpool how any ball on his foot as a youngster, you just were like, Oh man, I hope this isn't going over the crossbar. And uh, (laughs) he would somehow make it go over the crossbar. And, those those fears seem like so long ago, like another mm-hmm. lifetime. Because he is probably the guy I have the most confidence in now with the ball of his foot uh, mm-hmm. for the entire team. I would agree. He's
1: grown up, man. He has mm-hmm. grown up. Yes, he has. Yeah. Gosh, who remembers those Liverpool days? Anyway, uh, Jared. Liverpool this- fan too, apparently. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We'll take that, uh, Jared. This next one is for you. Jack Grealish is once again a target for Jose Mourinho's Spurs, as the Portuguese manager looks to add more options up front.
2: Uh this has been No.
1: Not again. You going false with this one? False. It is false. Yes. Nice work. I thought I would uh <laughs> I thought I'd take that, there. James. Almost <laughs> oh, trishy there. Um yes, it is tr it is uh You're close. It was real close. <laughs> Love it. Um I haven't heard any updated rumors on Jack gorilla she does seem very happy at Aston Villa, obviously. Born in that area, loves to play for the homegrown club, all that stuff. Um, do you see though, Jose getting any uh, any players in up front? I'm, I'm thinking more maybe for the defensive side of things. That's what I think. I mean,
3: you look at the
2: lineups; he's been running out, uh, and you know, suddenly we have Lucas Moura, you know, getting a whole lot of looks. Yeah. Uh, and and right now, that supporting cast behind Harry with uh, Son, Ali, and and Lucas Moura, that that seems to be working. So yeah. I. I don't think so, uh, and especially with the uh, uh, debut of Troy Parrott on the bench about 10 days ago. I I think we're, we're really, if we're going to be spending any money, which I don't think we will, frankly, in January, um, I think it's going to be with showing up that defense, and that is 100% the right move.
1: Oh, I would agree with that, yep. Uh, Boyce, this last one is for you. Manchester City are fuming with Arsenal for their pursuit of assistant coach Mikel Arteta, and have told the Gunners it'll cost them a seven-figure sum to prize him away. That is true? It is true, yeah. Uh, that'll get you those. I like you were going to say it's true because, but no,
0: you just left it on true. I, I, uh, no, I mean, I think it's really interesting because given the events of 2018 and replacing Arsene Wenger... And the connections and links of Arteta at that time, I, I don't think it could possibly be surprising to City. It's certainly been heartening to see the frustration with which certain City fans are segments of the City fan population have, have been, just because it makes me feel better about potentially having him appointed as our new manager. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... I, I guess if I'm City, I understand at least an element of the frustration in the end just because it is the middle of the season, but too bad, we're awful, we need a new coach, and it may very well be Mikel Arteta, so I'll play the world's tiniest violin for them while they (laughs) continue on in the Champions League, finish second, and have a really great season.
1: All right, let's go ahead and move on then to our last contest, which is, of course, another round of Player Profile. In this, I'll provide five different clues to a current Premier League player, each clue easier than the last. The first person to shout their name and correctly guess said player wins those two points. But you only get one guess, as an incorrect shot will freeze you out. This week, the category for these players is Handled. Handled. This translates to players this season whose potential handling of the ball has been over-examined by VAR like that specificity there. I'm really going for this one this week. Uh, Guys, you ready to do this? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's rock and roll. Let's see what happens. All right, player number one is an Englishman. Where's the number 66 shirt? Jared. Yes, Jared. Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yes, sir. Nice work on that. Remember the number. Uh, Yes, that'll get you those two points. The other clues plays for a Merseyside club. Has six assists currently this season. First name is Trent, and I do advise putting him in your fantasy teams because, bizarrely, he seems to get maybe eight-plus points every game. Uh, I know that because I have him. So, yeah, good. uh, Nice work on that, that, Jared. Uh, All right, player number two is a Frenchman. Has been with his current club since 2018. Is a center back. Has missed games recently due to injury. Tim. Yes, Tim
3: emmerich
1: laporte nice yeah absolutely sir that is correct and i'll get you those two points uh the other clue on this one was first name is emmerich and i didn't mention actually with each of these players i've got you know where they became victims of handball with emmerich laporte uh well let me ask you tim see if you know this uh when was he the victim of the the good old var for potentially handling the football
3: uh, it was real early in the season. Um, yes, it was. It was a big game. It was a Tottenham. It was. Right? Yeah. It was. He, okay.
1: He denied Gabriel Jesus his winning goal because That's in the right. lead-up he handled it supposedly, uh, according to VAR, uh, he <laughs> cheated. He cheated, <laughs> so the goal didn't count. Ah, there it is, yeah. So Jared's yeah, not VAR still, but he's still, you know, by the rules. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, nice work, Tim. i will get you those two points. And going back real quick, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold got away with a handball call in the game against City. Um, it literally hit him on the same point where it hit Sissoko in the Champions League final. Obviously, you know, Sissoko gets the penalty awarded, and Trent Alexander-Arnold gets away with nothing. Anyway, now no, that I remember
3: is cheating. So. <laughs> there you go. That <laughs> one I remember. It's cheating. We'll take that
1: one. All right, player number three. Has been with his club since 2015. Has netted five goals currently this season. Used to play for the MK Dons. Jared. Yes, Jared. Uh Dele. Bam, yes, sir. Certainly is Delhi Alley. The nice work on that. That'll get you those two points. Uh, last clues on this one. Now plays for Spurs. First name is Delhi, and he also got away with one, uh, arguably, uh, in a tying goal against Watford, where VAR did allow the goal despite cross-examining it, but it's supposedly uh came off his arm his chest hair i I,
2: no, it didn't because this is before it was the turn (laughs) it was a turn and flick around his around his shoulder right
1: yeah it was Uh, i'm just i'm just stating what happened in the game i'm not saying i I agree uh, or disagree but uh, it was it was cross-analyzed quite a bit by var waiting with bated breath
2: I, I I was able to wait in line for the restroom and get a new beer at the bar by the time they reviewed was done.
1: That is correct. Yeah, that is that is true. Uh, all right. Plan number four is a Scottish international is a striker. Has scored just two goals for his club this season so far. Just two plays for Sheffield United. First I've heard somebody na- type it. Someone's <laughs> gotta get it.
0: <laughs> first name
1: First name is Ollie. Anyone? Anyone anyone knows Sheffield United that well? Apparently not. <laughs> I, anyone? This is, this is Jared.
2: I do not know the answer. <laughs> oh, Jared, all right,
1: Jared's frozen now. Uh, all right, I'll go ahead and tell you. It is Ollie McBurney. Ollie McBurney. Sure. <laughs> all right. And you that is made a, that person. Up. It, is, it is a real player. Uh, and character. more, more recently, um, his goal stood, but there was a lengthy VAR check on a potential handball with his goal against Spurs. Uh, would you believe it? It was that one goal where they had one of them chalked off because his toenail was offside. And oh, then, yeah, yeah he, he scored, and that one counted. Uh, that is good old Ollie McBurney. How are you? By Ollie? the
2: way, I'd like to say you know a heartfelt thank you uh, to all of our Scottish listeners that we have now lost. Uh,
1: <laughs> And the ones who made counterattack. Please still buy that game. Uh, alright, the last <laughs> <laughs> the last player uh, of the game plays for the Bosnia and Herzegovina national team. Is a defender. Boyce. Yes, boyce. Kalasnak. It is, yes. Yeah, Kalashnak. That is absolutely correct. And I'll get you those two points. The last clues on this one uh, has been with this club since 2017. Uh, that club is Arsenal and defended Erzur's life in a vicious car attack. Yep, it is Sack <laughs> And, uh, Boyce, do you know when he was uh, scrutinized with VAR? Any guesses there?
0: Do you remember? I have totally lost track of the terrible losses and bad <laughs> events that have befallen the Arsenal team this year. It's very limited Snicket. It's just, I like that. Uh, well, it was in his game against United.
1: Uh, there was no penalty to United, but there were discussions that Kalashnatch's handling of the ball was a huge penalty offense. Again, it didn't go United's way in the end, but there you go. Um, but that is the game, guys. And this was a real close one, actually, really interesting. Uh, but here are the final scores. Tim, sir, you came away with five points. Jared, you came away with six, but Boyce literally stole it at the end there with that last player. Got seven points and the
0: win. Brissa, how are you feeling? A lot unlike Arsenal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Despair. No, no.
0: uh, You know, I. To look at the schedule coming up, I think Arsenal have something like Everton away, Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, United at home, and then Palace away. And at this point, even if you install Mikel Arteta, finding points in that run of matches for them is not... uh, anything that fills me with optimism it's no
1: picnic yeah it's uh, it's gonna be really interesting to see and do you think there's any glimmer of hope in the uh towards the end of the season I haven't looked that far ahead in Arsenal's schedule but uh is there any I mean that, you know let's say hypothetically they hire Mikel Arteta and we go through this rough patch do you think at some point they might start to turn it around or is there still going to be another season of we need to fix things
0: uh I, I think it's a long-term project for Mikel Arteta and then any expectations for the rest of the season might be uh all kind of for not but i will say that uh, the good thing about the festive season is that if they go through this run of six matches in a row over the festive season and don't come out of it on the other side within even striking distance of top four i i think you just shift perspective Mm -hmm. and put everything all in on the europa league and just just try and win it because it's really it's the only hope that you have left and the reality is that you shouldn't be burning players out in the league if you're double digit points out of top four especially just because it it wouldn't just be arsenal competing against one other squad for that right now it looks like chelsea united arsenal and spurs are all kind of vying for that fourth spot with arsenal really looking kind of down and out but you know yeah it's gonna be yeah relying on all three of those teams to bottom out is just not a viable strategy for the rest of the season. You never
1: know. Time will tell. Uh, Jared, sir, commiserations. Lost it by one. We're getting so close. Uh, but optimism, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought you we were going to come through with a, a Wolves-Spurs-style win there right at the end. Didn't quite happen. Uh, uh, but optimism for Spurs, though. Are we feeling slightly better about the season now? Are we still a little bit on edge? You know,
2: I am. Uh, there, are plenty of, there are plenty of reasons to be positive, right? I mean, uh, you would think that, Spurs actually lose that match, uh, especially against uh, a strong side defending home Wolves and something inspired. uh, And that is just something that this that this uh, squad needs Um, and has it has paid dividends shortly after the hiring of the special one. Mm -hmm. So I am I am cautiously optimistic, a massive match and a super fun one for a neutral uh, here uh, and here on Sunday. Uh, something that, uh, you know, Boyce will see. How much do you enjoy Chelsea losing?
3: You know, this will
2: be, this will <laughs> not push you,
0: that
3: much. This
2: will put you to the test, right? <laughs> but, you know, uh, uh, cheering,
0: cheering for a draw.
2: Something that could see Spurs crack top four, right? And that is something that, uh, you know, you had asked me that a month ago. Um, I would have, you know, laughed through my tears, but. Yeah um you know we have the champions league draw come out um boys champions league is that's when the top four teams go and play across europe the- um <laughs> uh, but but they had that draw uh you know a a favorable
1: I, one would you say against i
2: see i don't know i've 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 heard a lot of people say hey it could have been worse i'm like you know what w no versus w do uh leipzig is a fast team and they do not allow goals and for a team that does allow goals and often fairly quickly it scares the crap out of me i mm-hmm. i think our offense can hang but i think you're going to see this aggregate something silly like 8-7 oh wow uh, i think they're i think <laughs> i think we're going to see a lot of goals uh, yeah. but um you know uh we'll we'll give it a shot <laughs> <And we'll, laughs>
1: but yeah and we'll see what frankly, happens
2: Right. There's this, you know, kind of looking forward to it, which we are now versus, you know, all we have are these other competitions. Maybe we just need to crash out and just focus on one of them. Right. Mm. You really feel like this team can be firing on some cylinders. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm excited for Sunday.
1: We'll take it. Tim. Tim's uh, uh, commiserations to you as well for not quite winning the quiz. But uh, thoughts moving forward with City. Uh, give us your thoughts on the draw. Obviously, with you guys drawing Real Madrid, um, how are you feeling about that and just the season moving on?
3: Uh, I think that's good. I mean, you know, the, the season itself is an interesting one because, I mean, you know, with the Premier League seemingly out of reach right now and um, possibly losing Pep's right-hand man, in Arteta, um, which, you know, I think is, is a really good move for Arsenal. I was He's the guy that I was hoping uh, would carry City forward uh, whenever uh, Pep decides to, uh, you know, to move to New York City and, and live his dream or whatever he decides <laughs> to do next. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it's an interesting season, but there's still a lot to play for. And I actually like the fact they got Real Madrid in the draw. I think that, um, you know, they've kind of played down to their competition in the, in the round of 16 in the last couple of years. And I think that, uh, you know, playing a team, at least with the name recognition of Real Madrid, is going to light a fire under them. And, you know, mm-hmm. now you can prioritize the, the Champions League. I mean, you, like I said, you can start experimenting, you can play young players. And you can get ready for those, you know, the, whatever it is, nine games it takes to win the uh, the uh, the Champions League final there, because I mean that's that's basically the uh, the biggest thing they have left to play for, mm-hmm. It's the last thing that Pep has to win at City.
1: There you go. Uh, and then go ahead and remind our listeners, if you will, about uh, your own podcast, A Citizens Abroad. How can we listen in? Where can we find it? All that fun stuff.
3: Yeah, thank you. Uh, Citizen Abroad podcast, uh, a weekly podcast about uh, all things Manchester City. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, all those fun places. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well. It's at Citizen Podcast, spelled C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N Podcast. Very
1: cool. Very cool. Thanks again, Tim, for jumping on the show. Really appreciate having you on. and. uh Every time we need some city analysis, Tim is our go-to guy. We'll always refer to Tim for his his thoughts on that. Uh, Thank you, guys. Yeah, that does conclude today's episode. Thanks again to my guests, Gerobas Mente, Boyce Richardson, and Tim Crean. If you haven't already, we'd love you to subscribe to our weekly episodes and give us a quick five-star review if you don't mind. Uh, You can also follow us on our social media outlets. We have Twitter, Facebook, and the good old Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time.